Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome along to this week's Five Yard Dynasty. So uh, I'm back, Dan, and as ever, I'm joined by Hannah. Hannah, how are we doing? You had a good week, good show last week. Yeah, yeah, good. Thank you. Really nice show last week. Had a great time talking to Jason, but really excited for this week too. We've got a fantastic guest, so I think it's going to be an awesome. Oh, yes, yes. As you can see, we are joined by the new CEO of Fantasy Point, Scott. Barrett, how are you, Scott? You well? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. No, thank you for taking the time out to come on with us here. Yeah, yeah. Busy week, uh, but uh, nice, you know, breath of fresh air, getting a chance to talk about Dynasty and some players after after doing about a million demo and tutorial videos for our new uh, data uh, product. So we were just talking off air about how you're literally living the dream. You do what we do for fun, for a living, but actually, as the videos are rolling, I was thinking about it, and it's probably more board meetings now than anything for yourself, right? Yeah, I kind of live on Zoom these days, uh, but no, it's it's definitely living the dream. My friends tell their friends that uh, I get paid to stay at home and tweet about football in my boxers all day. So, <laughs> And how far off the truth is that? <laughs> uh, well, I, I won't tell you if I'm wearing pants right now or not, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it is the, the coolest job in the world, no doubt. 
yeah, that's fair. We're all jealous. I would say we all do it to put in a bit of time and out of sheer enjoyment. And the fact you get paid for it is phenomenal. And I know many aspire to get there. Many do get there. There's guys over here in the UK that work for, for many American sites and in paid roles. So if you're good enough, I guess the industry finds you, right? It took me many years of, of hard work and uh, working like 100 hours a week. But yeah, eventually I got there and, you know, the industry continues to grow. So there's more and more jobs that are opening up. Yeah. And, and I, I can't say enough about the industry as a whole, very supportive of each other. Um, and it really is the coolest thing ever to get paid to sit at home in your boxers and tweet about football. Yeah, I bet. So today we're going to have a look at some sort of ADP values and some trade targets talking dynasty. Do you get to talk dynasty a lot anymore, Scott? I usually don't, but uh, but oddly enough, I, I did another dynasty podcast uh, yesterday too. So yeah, I'm, I'm I have a good lead on. What's that? It's all fresh in the mind now then. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. So Hannah, why don't you start us off with your one? We've each listed a few players here that we like their their ADP values in kind of startup drafts or or players we've got kind of we're trade targeting to, to pick up in, in rosters. We've got very little context around it. So whether we're looking at rebuilding or whether we're competing side, we've just kind of thrown some names out there and I guess we'll add the context in as we go. So uh, Hannah, why don't you start us off with, with one of your list? Sure. I mean... I had to look at all of kind of the players that we put down and I think my list is probably full of the most boring players that people probably don't want to target. But I do have um, a little bit of an explanation as why I think people should. So my first guy is Deontay Johnson. He's obviously a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I totally get that he really isn't an exciting pick, really. You know, he's... I think people kind of forget how good he is, to be honest. We know that he had a down season in 2022 and he did finish as a wide receiver 29 in PPR leagues. But the previous two seasons, he actually finished as the wide receiver 18 and the wide receiver 8. I think one of the confounding factors for him having such a bad season last year was, of course, I think as we all probably know by now, because people talk about it all the time, he scored zero touchdowns. I mean, I just cannot see a world in which that will happen again. This is going to regress back towards the, the mean. And despite finishing wide receiver 29 last season, his underlying measurables, that they are still there. Like he was six in targets, He was 12th in red zone targets. That was with 15. There was only three other players that had 15 red zone targets last season. That was AJ Brown, Chris Godwin and Russell Gage. And they all had three or more touchdowns. So he was the outlier there of the guys that had those 15 red zone targets. And I think as much as people like don't want to admit it, Johnson still is the wide receiver one on that team. Until very, very recently, George Pickens was actually higher in ADP than Deontay Johnson. I'm sorry, I just don't understand that. Pickens wasn't even the second kind of highest target earner on that team last season. It was Pat Freemu. So I honestly think that Deontay, he's like wide receiver 36 or something completely ridiculous to me at the moment. Like I think you should buy him at this price. And I can tell you now he will outperform his ADP and his current value. So to me, anybody who's going to either rise in value or outperform for what you pay for them, you know, is a value and you should be trading for him. Yes, you might not be excited about it, but you're either going to get some consistent and more value on your team when he's putting up points or you can sell him when his value goes higher because people are realizing actually he's not as terrible as, as you all think. I think he's yes. a criminally undervalued guy. 
And I think people agreed. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Donna Johnson. I've got fancy pros in front of me. Current ADP has got Johnny Johnson at wide receiver 33 and George Pickens at wide receiver 34. Now, Johnny Johnson finished PPR as wide receiver 30 last year. So even if he returns on a down year, Scott, you're still going to get a positive return on that. Yeah, we should see a better performance from him, right? Yeah, I, I agree with everything Hannah said, except for when she said he's unexciting. I, I think he's pretty exciting. I think he's a great value for everything you outline. Like, obviously, one of the greatest touchdown regression candidates of all time. Uh, he's the only wide receiver to ever have more than 110 targets in a season, have zero touchdowns. He had 147 targets. We know touchdowns tend to fluctuate wildly year over year. So, yeah absolute fantastic regression candidate. But, but beyond that, it's also just like, I think he's really good. Like, you know, yards per target is never great. Last year it was like historically poor, but he just does get a ton of volume. Last season, he finished 14th in targets per game over the two seasons prior. He had 10.8 targets per game when he was healthy. That was far and away the most of any wide receiver. And so why is he getting these targets? And it's probably because he's really good, probably because he's getting open at an inordinately high rate. And then lo and behold, if you look at ESPN's metric open rate, he led the league last year. He's ranked top four every season since he entered the the league. And to me, it's just, yeah, this guy's good. He gets open at will. He's going to command targets. Targets are going to translate to fantasy points and touchdowns, something that fluctuates wildly. Yeah, there's no way he scores zero. He'll probably score something like, according to my metric, 6.4 is what he should have scored. So yeah, his yards per catch year on year is incredibly similar. Um, and I think I saw something that said if he had three touchdowns last year, he would have finished as a wide receiver 16 or something like that. So he would have almost half that value. If, if he was perfectly neutral in touchdown luck last year, he would have finished wide receiver 32 in fantasy points per game instead of wide receiver 50. And again, like I think it's not unrealistic to think he could finish as a high-end wide receiver too this year because that's what he was doing prior to last year. And uh, really, it was just the offense was such a cataclysmic mess that it's I don't think that's going to be the case this year, even if it is below average. Awesome. So we're agreeing on Deontay Johnson. Scott, who's one of the names that you want to have a chat that you're looking at? Yeah, I definitely did not pick an exciting name, but I had to list him as my first player because like, I never expected to say this, but I, I was having a chat with my buddy uh, Derek Brown over at Fantasy Pros the other day. Uh, just because I took him in a dynasty startup we're in in like the 16th round. He was like, oh, I wanted him so badly. And that's a Rashid Shahid. And I'm like, yeah, I think he might be the most mispriced player in all of dynasty leagues. And I feel like when I say that, I'm going to get a lot of people, you know, scratching their heads over it. But to me, I just see like zero risk at that ADP. And I see immense upside from week 12 on Shahid being 92 more yards than Chris Olave on only 11 additional routes. He was, he surpassed Olave. Okay. Olave was a little banged up and all of that, but also just by yards per route run, the most predictive metric we have for wide receivers. He was elite. Uh, here are the top 12 rookie seasons by yards per route run since 2007. Martavis Bryant was really talented, busted out because of drug issues. Two OBJ, three AJ Brown, four Justin Jefferson, five last year Rashid Shahid, six Jamar Chase, seven Chris Olave, eight Percy Harvin, nine Hakeem Nicks, 10 Tyreek Hill, 11 Christian Watson, 12 Doug Baldwin, all superstars. 
except for Martavis Bryant. And granted, like there's the the small sample size concern with with Shahid, which was also true of Bryant. But still, it's like this stat is all, like super predictive, and no one's making an upside argument for him. Uh, elite deep threat, really talented playmaker. Uh, he's going to have some spike weeks at the very least, and you know who knows, maybe there's a little more talent there than people are letting on. And so, yeah, Rashid Shahid at you can quote me the ADP, but I, I know it's super low. Yeah, wide receiver 70, according to Fancy Pros at the minute, which even with spike weeks, he should outperform. I don't know. Do you not feel Michael Thomas coming back into the fold? New quarterback there at the Saints might just have an impact on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I just like don't really care. Like he showed enough to me in his rookie season to to make that upside argument, which like th- this is what really matters in fantasy. And like the cheaper the ADP, more upside matters versus cost. Yeah. Uh, it's also Michael Thomas. Like, should we really be banking on Michael Thomas? How many guys has this uh, games has this dude played this past half decade? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, so if Michael Thomas isn't back to full health. I, I see massive upside for she, he, and then even if that's not the case, he could carve out a role as like the primary deep threat wide receiver three for 11 personnel. I mean, he's yeah. probably not, he's probably not going to hit. He's wide receiver 70 for a reason. It's just that upside argument is really compelling to me. I, I love Rashid in the situation of best ball competitions. I love him in the situation of like DraftKings and underdog type drafts, because I do think he will have spike weeks. Um, I think your issue might be trying to pick and play when those spike weeks are in a flex spot and, and get a lucky run. Like I think it's one of those where if you're, you're way down on your projected scores, he's someone you chuck in because if he hits, it'll make a difference to you. That, that was the league I took him in best ball. He, he led the league last year in catches gaining 20 plus, 25 plus, 30 plus, 35 plus, 40 plus, 45 plus yards. Uh, and so that that's a stat that, yeah, you're going to get those spike weeks for sure. Start sit, he'll need this year, Michael Thomas to go down. But I, I think he has some long-term upside as well. And there's a realistic chance that Michael Thomas will go down. If he even start with. <laughs> you're projecting missed games. Like, he's got to be top of the list. Yeah. Hannah, you're in or out on Rashid Shahid? I think at cost, look, there's nothing to lose, is there? You're not. You're basically not really giving up any value to get him. And if he hits, fantastic. You know, he's gained value either... For you to sell on, offer you to have on your team, uh, and if he doesn't, well, meh, what have you lost? So, no, I agree with Scott. I don't think there's anything to lose here. It's worth a shot. Fine. So, I won't have a lot of Rashid Shahid, and the reason is because one of my first names up comes up as wide receiver 67 in relation to Shahid's wide receiver 70, and I've I've gone for Wondell Robinson of the New York Giants here. Incredibly injury hampered season last year, um, but I thought he showed enough to come on after his rookie bit he sort of burst on he had the game didn't he against Detroit week 11 13 targets nine receptions he broke the 100 yards no major standout bits but he looked comfortable in what he was doing the Giants wide receiver room Paris Campbell Jamison Crowder Isaiah Hodgkin Sterling Shepard Darius Slayton there's not a lot of major competition there for me so that stage as we talk about gambling on Rashid Shahid one day Robinson's talent coming out of college into the game is one that I'm okay picking up and I'm hoping he might be a little bit more higher floor than someone like Shahid week by week rather than spike weeks necessarily. Someone disagree with me and tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. So I'll disagree with you. Uh, I'm a, I'm a giants fan who was, uh, really high on Wandale Robinson last year. He was, he was one of my guys projected to go day three that I thought should have went day two and then ultimately did go day, day two. The other one was Tyquan Thornton, which granted doesn't look too, too great right now, but uh, yeah, post landing spot, you know, he was drafted by 
Brian Dable, a really smart offensive minded coach, uh, former wide receivers coach, um, with a great track record at the position. Uh, and there was minimal target competition. I, I really saw him getting peppered with like, he had PPR cheat code as the team starting slot wide receiver, but he had this injury plagued year and, you know, it kind of seems like the moves they're making, they might be quick to just move on from, all right, he's, he's not healthy. He's too small. He can't withstand the beating. We thought he could be our next Cole Beasley and said he's our next Isaiah McKenzie, both two guys who played under Brian Dable. But you look at that roster and that roster makes me nervous because like whatever you think about Wandell Robinson, he's only a slot wide receiver. He can't be anything else. Yeah. The team goes more 12 personnel. He's probably going getting taken off the field. And then you look at this roster and they're saying Darren Waller's their wide receiver one. They're saying, you know, we're, we're going to use him as like our big slot. Okay. So he's a slot. Jamison yeah. Crowder. What is he? He's a slot. Jalen Hyatt in college was 90% slot. Colin Johnson, big slot. Paris Campbell, best in the slot. And you just look at Sterling Shepard. He could play outside, but historically better in the slot. <laughs> You're like, what, this team has seven slot wide receivers. What, what are we doing? And so that's just uh, what makes me nervous for Wandale. The, the counter is like he's talent more talented than a lot of these guys, better draft capital than Jalen Hyatt and some of these other names. You're just going to line up with seven players inside the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Giants fan. They've done this for years. They did this in the Ben McAdoo days. I hate this. Stop, stop having four slot wide receivers and one outside wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I, I got concerned when Waller came in because I do see that drop down over the middle sort of passes being taken a little bit by Waller for comfort rather than someone like Wandell. But um, I guess I'm hoping he can come through. And again, a bit like Shahid at, at wide receiver 67, 70, that late in a draft, I'm quite happy to stick him there. And if it doesn't pan out, I don't really lose myself too much, I don't feel. I think, sorry, just quickly before I move on, yeah. I think the problem I kind of have with Wandale is that obviously we know he has that injury. They have, yep. as as we all know, a million slot wide receivers, so I just don't see them rushing him back either. So to me, he's probably going to be sat. Now, you might be able to put him, I guess, in your, you know, your injury slot or whatever, but he's going to be sat on your bench probably for, I would say, this whole season pretty much, doing nothing for you and probably not gaining any value either so he's kind of oh, me wasting a bit of a spot there if you've got a deep cool. bench then maybe you want to keep him but I think I'd rather have a shot like Rashid Shahid where actually he could have some weeks for me this season you know can't wait to see Robinson outperform Shahid this year and there's yeah. Hannah knocking me Hannah I'm coming back to you because your next name on the list shocked right. me I'm not sure about you Scott but it caught me off guard when I read it so again so I don't know, maybe my kind of approach to Dynasty is a little bit different than maybe some other people's. Like sometimes I do think that people approach Dynasty and that they want all the youth and they want all the upside. And ultimately, unless you can get all of those to hit at the same time, it's probably not going to win you a championship. Like sometimes you do need like the boring, steady players to give you some floor. I think people often, they, they want to chase ceiling. They want the, the next new rookie. They want this guy that's suddenly going to pop. Oh, I found him first or whatever. And sometimes, as I say, I think people overlook some of the good players in the league because they don't, that they're boring. They don't want them on the team. They want somebody who potentially is going to increase in value. So my second pick is Derek Carr, the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. So this is more of a super super flex league take. 
you know, I'm not saying please go and buy him in a one QB league because nope. you're probably wasting your any kind of not money, but you know, that you have. But look, we do all know what Derek Carr is at this point. He is your prototypical QB two. Over the past three seasons he's finished at the QB fourteen, fourteen and sixteen. Um, and even, you know, like last season when clearly there was like disharmony at the Raiders, he wasn't very happy, uh, you know, things between him and Josh McDaniels were not great. He still finished as the QB 16. So I do think people can say, well, where's the upside? Like, why would I want him on my team? But he is currently going at ADP. I think he's quarterback 28. So, I mean, you know, if you buy him as the quarterback 28, automatically you're going to get more out of him than what you paid for him. And I think he works actually quite well as a QB2 in quite a few different types of roster builds. So one is, go on, Scott, I feel like you want to jump in and uh, say, shoot me down or say something. Uh, no, I was, I was, I was going to let you finish. Do you want to finish? Go on, then I'll, I'll quickly finish. But basically, I think you could pair him up with a like high upside QB, like an Anton Richardson. So you've got someone who's got, who has a flaw, but obviously you've got Richardson that's going to probably, hopefully, give you a good ceiling. Um, but I also think he'd suit a contender. For me personally, I don't want to put loads of my value into my QB two. I'd quite happily have Derek Carr as my second QB. I know what he's going to give me, and I'd rather put kind of that value into a different player a skill position player that's probably going to give me more and hopefully that's going to be enough to get me over the top I just don't want to put loads of capital in my QB2 I think that's personally a waste of, of capital just quickly one last thing he has also recently signed with the Saints which means that they're going to have to keep him on the team at least until 2026 so he does have some stability there there's not going to be question marks about where he's going to be next year or you know what what we're kind of discussing with things like Jared Goff and Russell Wilson so I personally would happily buy him but I know that a lot of people probably don't agree with me yeah so I'm not, yeah I'm not going to disagree with you I, I'm not I don't know that I'm going to agree with you but I, I will make an argument in your favor um, we have two film charters over at Fantasy Points Data, Brett Whitefield and Chris Wacht, who have watched every quarterback on every snap at least five times. And they're both like Derek Carr fans. They're just like, he is underrated. He is like good on film. Um, last year, that offense wasn't doing him any favors but he's a really underrated talent. And so we have this new data tool. And I, I was talking to them a, a few days ago and I'm like looking at different metrics. I know are predicted. I'm like, why does Derek Carr rank so high in this set? This is, this seems weird. I'm like, no dude, I'm telling you Derek Carr is super underrated. And so maybe he is, he has a great supporting cast. Now uh, he's in the Pete Carmichael offense, which, you know, has historically done wonders for quarterbacks. We've seen productivity from like a fully cooked, Drew Brees when he was 42 years old, uh, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, uh, Taysom Hill, uh, a few other, all putting up like fringe QB1 numbers. So uh, definitely, definitely can't hate on that take. I like, I'd like the idea as a QB2, especially if you're contending and you've got hit by some injuries or bye weeks. Derek Carr's my QB2 and Scott Fishbowl for what it's worth, Hannah. So I'll take yeah. you. Me too, actually. But I, I just, I do genuinely think like at QB 28, that is ridiculously undervalued. So, you know, you're going to get more than you paid for it. And, and that's the whole point, right? Yeah. Come on, Scott. Next one up. You keep telling us why we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, this is Marvin Mims. I don't know. Anyone who was following me in April knows that this is one of my guys. I'm a big analytics guy and I have this, you know, model that 
you know, sorts these prospects, gives a historical grade. And uh, yeah, just according to the numbers, I thought, or my model thought Marvin Mims was like easily the second best wide receiver in this class. And obviously he's not priced as the rookie wide receiver too. I think uh, in my post draft rankings, once I factored in draft capital, he was like my wide receiver five or wide receiver six, but uh, yeah, just definitely one of my guys uh, insane statistical profile and uh, draft capital was good. Technically round two landing spot was really great. I thought, you know, not immediately there's a lot of competition for targets, but Mm -hmm. he was handpicked by Sean Payton first draft pick Sean Payton ever made. And like, meanwhile, he's been trying to trade Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy all off season. So uh, yeah, like the landing spot, like the player. Yeah, it's not something I've really considered. I think the landing spot really scared me. Dulcich is evolving a role there. Sutton, previously Judy, is yet to come out but look good at the back end of last year. Tim Patrick has performed when called upon. KJ Hamler and Marcus Callaway in there as well. We were a, a reasonable kind of guys that fill that role. Um, you think he can make a, a name for himself amongst those? This year, I don't know. I, I will say like my pre-draft comp for him was like Tyler Lockett from a fantasy perspective, not necessarily yep. like just how, you know, he wasn't super productive the first two years of his career. He was mostly just a situational deep threat. He ran a limited route tree in college and then, you know, in the pros started to add more tools to his toolkit uh, and do more. And then he exploded to be like one of the best wide receivers in football operating primarily from the slot. And everything I just said is like exactly what I think is going to happen with Mims uh, situational deep threat, but amazing in that role. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's just going to be a part-time player, maybe a committee wide receiver three this year. So he's not, I mean, I don't have any serious best ball exposure, but yeah. uh, in dynasty, I have him everywhere. Fair. I'm just interested to know, Scott, how do you think yeah. this wide receiver room is going to kind of play out this season? Um, I have no idea. I, like if you look at the numbers, Jerry Judy is just clearly the alpha to Cortland Sutton, Sutton's beta. Like over the last three years, Sutton averages like, uh, 13 fantasy points per game without Judy and like six fantasy points per game with him. Uh, but Cecil Lammy, that's Denver's best beat writer, is saying Sutton looks better than he's looked in like four years. He's finally over this injury that took a really long time to rehab and he looks explosive. And so like he could be a thing. And then Tim Patrick is Ru- Russ's BFF and he had the best connection in training camp. Uh, so I really have no idea. I, I just, I just do know that draft capital matters. And like, this is the one guy that Sean Payton handpicked. Uh, and so I like this as a long-term play. It also, I guess, depends on Russell Wilson evolving in that role. We had a bit of a, his own troubles last year at quarterback. Yeah. Again, I don't think it really matters. Like, like I was saying with P Carmichael, like maybe, or probably Sean Payton deserves more credit, but we, we saw Drew Brees at 42 years old, who looked, who couldn't throw farther than 15 yards, you know, put up low end QB one numbers, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, a bunch of players like that. So I just think this like system is almost foolproof, but uh, yeah, Russell Wilson at this stage of his career is, is not, is not anything good to me. It wouldn't surprise me even if like I said this and I, you know, I got, I got in trouble for it, but it wouldn't surprise me if like he didn't start more than 10 games in the NFL after this season. Like if he was just done, done. And that that's how people around the like NFL film evaluators like Greg Cassell have been saying basically the same thing. I did feel that Peyton going there was one of the better things that could have happened for Russell Wilson. I think if he's going to revive and come back and bounce back a bit from last year, there's nobody better to do it under Peyton who's got that experience of leading that older vet QB. 
there, there are genius play callers and Sean Payton is at least a genius play caller for fantasy. Like, you know, NFL people are like, Arthur Smith is brilliant, but it like doesn't help us for fantasy. Sean Payton's brilliant and it like, it shows in fantasy. Fair. The one thing I do think about Russ is that I think he knows that this is a do or die season for him. And he, I think he feels that he is not finished. Like he still wants to be like some fantastic QB and be known like Tom Brady. I mean, we know that's never going to happen, but I think he knows this this season is do or die. And I think he will take that seriously because he is a big man of kind of um, how he's perceived, you know. So I, I think he is really going to put in the work this season. I won't be surprised if he, he bounces back. But What, what I've heard from my friends who are a lot more connected than I am is that uh, a condition of Sean Payton taking this job is like he he has free reign to just fully cut ties with Russ after this year. He's going to give him a shot though. And like, you know, uh, you know, hope for the best. And, but uh, the locker room also is like massively divided on Russ. Like he doesn't have too many friends uh, in that locker room, but, but Tim Patrick is far and away like one of the big ones. Uh, so, you know, maybe that helps him carve out a role, but uh, yeah, that's at least what I'm hearing. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Awesome. My second name on the list, Scott, which I'm sure you're not going to like again, is TJ Shark at the Carolina. Um, I've been a fan of Shark since he came into the league. I just wish the guy can stay healthy. The talent, I think, is there. I just want him to stay fit. Um, his best year, he played 15 games in 2019 with the Jags. Uh, finished PPR as a wide receiver 17. He hasn't played more than 13 games since. There, For me, in Carolina, there is no clear wide receiver one. There's a lot of hodgepodge of people coming in with him, Thielen. They drafted Mingo. They've took Hayden Hurst at tight end. They've got a rookie quarterback. They just need someone to sort of lead that offensive team and be that figurehead. Um, and I'm hoping Sharks' talent can do it. I just want him to stay healthy. Yeah, DJ Shark is actually one of my favorite players just because um, I've only ever drafted him one year. Uh, his sophomore season, he was like a – 18th round pick in best ball. And I'm like, this guy was like a round two pick. Like what, why not? I'll just take a, take a shot on him. And that was the only year I ever had him. So like, he's one of my most, uh, like I profited most on him throughout, uh, the career, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't really know. Um, I like the quarterback. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine how targets shake up, you know, Adam Thielen's the crafty veteran who, you know, maybe the rookie quarterback leans on, uh, just because like he trusts him, he's not going to make too many mistakes. Or maybe it's Mingo who's like hyper athletic. The team 
believes in him based on this draft capital. Uh, I, I'm not a Mingo guy, but I like hated him the least out of everyone in the industry. Like just which hated him. So I feel like I'm sort of a Mingo guy. Um, one thing that's interesting that one of our writers is working on Ryan Heath. Uh, he's working with uh, our stat first read target share, and we were talking about this and how inexperienced quarterbacks really tend to lean on one wide receiver in particular. You see why their wide receiver one have a really massive first read target share. They just kind of lock into that guy. And maybe that's shark. Maybe it's Mingo. Maybe it's the, I have no idea, but if there is one of those guys in Carolina, whoever Bryce Young's favorite guy is going to be, there's massive fantasy potential. Yeah. Just have your stage fit. Um, Scott, your next name then on the list is someone I loved. He was my wide receiver one coming into the league when he was drafted again, very similar. He can't get himself on a football field. Now, this isn't necessarily for injury as such. It's through his own fault. Um, huge talent, huge thing. I'm actually lowering my expectations and demands of him because I don't know if if he ever puts himself right. And you've come up with, with Jameson Williams. Uh, that's right. Jameson Williams. Uh, to me, I, I just really liked... Uh, you had him wide receiver one. I, I had Drake London wide receiver one, but I think he was my wide receiver two. And... Uh, in hindsight, that was probably a, a mistake. I was saying like, because he's probably not going to play at all this year, or at least miss almost all the year, you could probably get him cheaper next year. And I wish I like stuck to that because that was exactly the case. But in my mind, it's like, you just throw out his rookie season because they said when they drafted him, like, yeah, we might not even play him at all this year. Uh, so uh, if you throw that out, then you're just left with this ev- eval where you and I were both extremely high on him. It's a potent yep. offense. Um, and yeah, so I, I think he's a, a great value. And there's also very little competition for targets there, right? Eamon Ra broke into the side and did extremely well with everybody else going down. So other than that, there is no real direct. I mean, they brought in Marvin Jones, who actually, I think, first half of the season could be quite effective for him. But I think we'll see Jameson Williams, hopefully second half, clear that role as himself. But I thought Marvin Jones was a good addition for him in the short term. Yeah. And to me, it's just like, yeah, what was his price last year? What is it this year? And what's, what's feeding into that is like a lost year that we knew was going to be lost. And then, uh, he's suspended for the first few weeks of the season. Like who cares? This is dynasty. You own these guys for forever and the fantasy playoffs matter exponentially more than the first five weeks. Yeah. Hannah, you in or out with James and Williams? Oh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I'm starting to go out on him. I mean, my concern is obviously it's going to be like a year and a half and he has barely set foot on an NFL field. Now, you know, maybe that isn't going to be a problem for him, but I don't know, the longer he's kind of off the field, the the less comfortable I am. But like you say, I suppose what is his value is low at the moment. So what is there to lose? But I definitely felt higher on him before he got his six game ban. And then since then, I've, I've kind of felt a bit lukewarm to him to be honest um I don't know if he's going to be in the doghouse when he gets back or or what you know how how much are they going to get him on the field and I think until kind of I see him and see what he's going to be in the NFL I probably wouldn't buy but that's just probably because I'm a bit more risk averse than a lot of people yeah I understand both of those Scott said he's only six games his dynasty is still young it's only his second year and his six games is not the end of it I think my concern is the character trait that led to that. And if there's something longer term underlying that, that leads to future issues again. So um, an interesting one, an interesting one. Uh, And your next name, Hannah, is somebody else who many people were incredibly high on a year or two ago and probably started to drop down the list. But you've got him as someone you're you're heading out and acquiring at the minute in Elijah Moore. 
for me, from what I understood, is that last season he uh, fell out with the team more for kind of personal reasons, you know, uh, differences of opinion or whatever that might be, rather than anything to do with talent. I think he definitely showed some talent in his first season. And I know there's quite a few people in the community that still believe he is a talented football player. I think the fact that he now has a new start in Cleveland, um, I think is only going to be good for him. Again, the reason that I'm saying to buy him is that he's currently like somewhere ridiculous, like the wide receiver is in his 60s somewhere. I can't find him now, but wide receiver 53. I mean, that's like pennies. You know, it's nothing. Um, and I think if he manages to grab that wide receiver two role at Cleveland, his value is only going to increase. They're going to throw the ball more this season. We kind of need Watson to improve from what we saw at the end of the season last year. But he's had a full off season now. He'll be way more integrated in the team. I think Elijah Moore has a chance to become fantasy relevant and way more fantasy relevant than the wide receiver 53. So that's why I think you should go out and buy him. Okay. I think I you should be slightly, but go on. Go on, Scott. Uh, I can't I can't agree anymore. This is one of my guys. Uh Elijah Moore has been like my guy from day one. Uh I lo- love me some Elijah. I was gonna tell a, a wild story, but I don't know that I should. Uh <laughs> love Elijah Moore. Uh love the landing spot. I I think there's a chance he could be the wide receiver of one of the team. Like, granted, I'm I'm kind of crazy on Elijah, but yeah. I just like believe so much in the talent. I could see him being used as he should have been used as he was used in college as this sort of PPR cheat code in the slot where you're just going out of your way to get him nine plus targets per game, seeing what he can do after the catch. And Oh, by the way, he's also an extremely talented deep threat from the slot. So he could do that too. And he has unique upside for that, that position. Uh, and you really saw like, I don't think DPJ is anything, but DPJ had some really productive weeks and Deshaun Watson, like imagine if Deshaun Watson is back to being the Deshaun Watson of old, which is like yeah. a top five fantasy QB every single year. Uh, so massive upside for a player. I love a player. I believe in, uh, couldn't, couldn't agree anymore. I would tell everyone I'd, I'd, I'd be spamming trade offers out right now. If I didn't already own Elijah in every single league. Oh man. I, I see. I'm out on Elijah. <laughs> so this is like really how it's padded out. I, you said you love the landing spot. I love the QB situation. I, I just, I just like, looked at I the rest like of the, the show sheet. Spot. We're gonna we're doing this for every segment, Dan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Are> we? <laughs> well, this is why you're the CEO of a major company, and I just sit here in my bedroom doing this once a week. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's more entertaining for the viewers, right? Like uh, Stephen You've A. Smith yes. didn't make a million dollars for agreeing with everyone. Hannah done a show the other week where she talked about ADP battles and ended up agreeing with everybody on every single ADP battle, didn't you? Yes, but we were we were disagreeing with consensus, all right? Okay. It's not my fault that I have good takes and you have bad takes, Dan. You know, these things happen. Fair. Damn, shots fired know. from Hannah. I, I just, yeah, Hannah's better than me, so I'm not going <laughs> to argue that point. So, um, Amari Cooper for me is a clear wide receiver one there. Yes, I love the QB situation, and I know Moore's got talent, but it is a busy, busy receiver room. They have got... DPJ, you mentioned, they brought David Bell they drafted last year. They've drafted Cedric Tillman this year. They've got Marcus Goodwin coming in. David Njoku's come back. They brought in Jalen Darden for a deep threat. There is a lot of receivers in there that's going to need the ball. Only two good ones. Yeah. That's my opinion. And Amari Cooper, by the way, like, are either of you guys DFS players? Yep. 
Okay. So I, I'm a big time DFS player. And right. uh, for years, Amari Cooper has been the most cornerback sensitive wide receiver in football. Like anytime he goes up against a top 15 cornerback who shadows, like yep. just expect zeros. Like he just ghosts. And he's also the most, he has the widest split home road splits of any wide receiver. This has been going on for forever. Uh, I've, I've said either, you know, like when he's away from his wife, he just goes out and parties nonstop deep into the night, or he needs to do a promo deal with Tempur-Pedic or something. But uh, last year he averaged 16, 16 DK fantasy points per game more at home than on the road. Uh, I will actually, I tweeted this in December. Uh, where's the, all right. So last year, uh, he averaged 18.2 fantasy points per game at home, uh, 11.3 on the road. Meanwhile, DPJ averaged 12.2 fantasy points per game on the road. So he passed Amari Cooper. His first read target share ranked seventh at home. On the road, it was like 57th. And this has been going on since 2017, averaging 18 fantasy points per game at home, 11 fantasy points per game on the road. So even if you don't want Elijah in Dynasty, uh, get him in DFS in weeks. Cleveland is on the road. Apart from they were at Buffalo last year, because I think Cooper. Oh, that's right. Well, that's point. right. But that yeah, that was right. that was a neutral site, so it didn't <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the splits. So every rule is an exception, right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Well, that was his best oh, yeah. game. So in neutral, if they go to the Super Bowl, playing a neutral field, he's going to go neutral. Get him in. Get yeah. him in. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Uh, Scott, move us on. Who else we want to talk about? Yeah. What about what about your 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 player? Oh, I missed my one. Oh, yeah, I did. Silly me. J.K. Dobbins. And well, before I say why, Scott, do you want to disagree with me? Um, yeah. Are you going to let is... me try first? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> awesome. Um, I just think he's, other than the injury, which is a concern, and the Lamar Jackson being a heavy running quarterback, J.K. Dobbins is still in charge of that backfield. He's still the RB1 on the side. I think he can put up top RB2 numbers for a side for you uh, if he can stay healthy again. Um, I think he's got an elite talent there. There's no competition. Gus Edwards isn't a talent. Um, he will have, and you won't get this, Scott, but Hannah will, Keaton Mitchell to worry about down the line. Um, so that's a concern, but I'll cope with that. Scott, for the background, I'm an ECU Pirates fan. Purely on the basis, there's not many NFL players from ECU Pirates, and I follow them. So Keaton Mitchell and Zay Jones are my most owned players in Dynasty, purely to root for the guys that I like and support. So... All off season, Keaton Mitchell is the guy I've been picking up everywhere. How'd you become a, a fan of, of them? I know somebody who went there. Okay. Um, and kind of a friend of mine went there and I sort of watched it from there. So yeah, picked up the ECU Pirates. And I do like the fact that they're not an Alabama and LSU and they don't put 15 people into the league every year and so on. So, you know, odd small numbers and you can pick them and you can root for them and you can follow these these guys' careers and you feel a bit more in touch with them. All right. So uh, are you done? Yeah, go on. All right, so here's where I'm going to agree with you. You mentioned oh. Lamar Jackson being a heavy... Oh, I thought you were going to say Keaton Mitchell was a threat to him. I thought that was your agreeing <laughs> point. <laughs> you mentioned Lamar Jackson's a heavy running quarterback. The good thing about yes, him is, unlike Jalen Hurts, he's not so much of a goal line threat. Uh, yeah. And also, there is a cheat code there with hypermobile quarterbacks that boosts a running back's efficiency metrics. And yeah. J.K. Dobbins, far and away the most efficient running back in fantasy football over the past three years by fantasy points versus weighted opportunity. That's a really important metric. The most efficient. Uh, last year, you know, coming back from his second IR stint, 
immediately week 14 on was one of only a handful of running backs who averaged at least 100 yards from scrimmage per game. The only difference is JK Dobbins did it on 6.9 yards per carry. The counter argument is he's typically a, a, a committee back, but there's new, a new regime. And so who knows, maybe he could be the guy, maybe he could be the bell cow, but because I have to disagree with you just to, just to keep <laughs> this going. Uh, it's just like a, for me, a fundamental, like, strategy perspective, how I approach dynasty. And that's just like, I only ever get my running backs via the rookie draft. You know, I want them when they're at their youngest and in their peak years, and they don't have a ton of injuries like JK Dobbins. And so I, I just, I just like full fade running backs and startups and I'll never trade for them unless I'm like super RB needy. And it's like giving away a round three pick for James Connor or something just to get a starter in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. At this stage of the year, especially, there's no way I'm going out and trading for running backs. Um, I might think about it come October if need be, but um, mm-hmm. I was looking more at startups with that. There is a pattern I've just noticed to my players. One day, Robinson, DJ Shark, and JK Dobbins, not one of them can stay on the field uh, for health reasons. I think all of them have got talent and all of them can do well, and all of them haven't quite reached the potential because of injuries. And mm-hmm. I guess I'm still hoping that that's not a regular pattern and that one of them can stay healthy. So, Next up, who we got? Go on, Scott. Uh, I got Christian Watson. Uh, my player comp for him coming out was if Randy Moss were mortal. And it's just like, I'm not a film guy, but like when I watched his film, I'm reminded of Randy Moss. Or if I watched Randy Moss's okay. film, he would remind me the most of Christian Watson than anyone else. And like, he had the sickest year ever. Like he deserves way more credit for how impressive that year was. He led all wide receivers in fantasy points per route run. And sure, he is a touchdown regression candidate, sort of like the opposite of Deontay Johnson. But I also think that's something he brings to the table with his like freakish athleticism and the way he moves and glides across the field effortlessly like a Randy Moss, that he is going to get, you know, a short dump off and house it for 87 yards. And I just think he's like that level of a talent I talked about before. So even if you take out touchdowns, yards per route run, it was a historically great rookie season. Uh, despite playing with, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who had a broken thumb. Uh, he was productive with Jordan Love. He doesn't have too much meaningful competition for targets. And uh, just another player I, I, I really believe in. I, I want to get as many sophomore wide receivers as possible because all those guys look incredible to me. Uh, but he's he's one of the better ones at price. Yeah. How do you agree? I actually don't. I think he's really expensive <laughs> at the moment. Um, my- What's the ADP? Uh, um, wide receiver 21 on fantasy pros. Okay. In FFPC, he was going, uh, <clears throat> round four. Yeah. Round four. Uh, so I probably a little earlier, just the problem is like, if to me, I look at round four and like, I hate everyone except for Watson, but yeah, sorry, go ahead, Hannah. I, I don't, I don't disagree with you that I think he does have some talent. My concern is I think he is priced personally at, at this point because people have an expectation and, and kind of a little bit at his ceiling at this stage because he's he's going to have a new quarterback we don't know what John Love is going to be he might be fantastic great um but I think there are going to be some growing pains in this offense and I do think that his price is probably going to drop before it rises again so I I personally don't want to buy him at the, at the moment, but I think if halfway through the season they're struggling struggling on offense and he's not putting up the points that people think he would or should, 
then I would definitely consider going out and buying him. I'm not saying longer term he's yeah, not going to a... do something, but I think for now he's too expensive for me. I think as well, the way the back end of the season when he had a really good mid-season and then he kind of, he had the four games, didn't he, where he scored uh, seven touchdowns in four games and then their touchdowns sort of dried up. Was that a case of him just breaking out and being a little bit more unknown to defenses and scheming against him and they got a bit wiser to it? So again, that's not repeatable. He had four games, he had eight touchdowns on 12 touches. Like that's impossible, but he wasn't so much of a touchdown regression candidate to me just because he led the league in uh, percentage of targets inside the 10 yard line and percentage of targets coming deep, which lends itself to more touchdowns. He also dropped like a few targets that were like 40 plus yards through the air and no one around him and would have been a guaranteed 80 yard touchdown. So that's some positive regression. Um, And, but again, you could just throw he had like the third best rookie season ever by touchdown adjusted yards per route run. But even if you want to throw out touchdowns, it was still a really good year just by yards per route. Run. Yeah. I mean, he, the, one of the worst games he had where he played a solid game was, it was eight yards per catch on six targets. So phenomenal return. If he's, he's doing that, his work after the catch, I think is, is great. He's so elusive. As you he, say, and he's got that, that deep threat after receiving. He wasn't a starter until week 10 last year. And from that point on, he ranked 10th in fantasy points per game. So we did see some productive. And that was ahead of all other rookies, by the way. But yeah, uh, really like Christian Watson. Get it, the player. ADP-wise, he's just behind Debo, Jerry Judy, just ahead of Drake London. Oh, he's he's ahead of Drake London now. According to Fantasy Pros, he's got him 21 and Drake London's at 23. Ah, I'd probably rather have Drake London. Amari Cooper's at 18. Murray Cooper's 18. He's going to play. He's going to play 17 home games this year for you as well. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather. I'd rather have Drake London. Yeah, for sure. So should have picked him, okay. but just wait till 67 and get DJ Shark, same player. Hannah, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't picked one. Chuck one out for for a while. So my next one is Sky Moore on the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver. Look, I don't think he really has shown as much so far. But we know that rookies in Andy Reid's scheme often struggle to kind of get to grips with the playbook and to produce in their first year. Um, I think there's been a lot of buzz around him or starting to kind of going into training camp um, and how he's looking like he he might have kind of finally got to grips with it and potentially could step up this year. Um, he's still, to me, really quite cheap. Um, so I personally would be going to buy him now um, before he, one, starts to potentially do things in training camp and we get more buzz and to hopefully show something on the field as well. He's currently wide receiver 59. Like somebody on this team, apart from Kelsey, is, well, we said we said this last year, nobody did, did they? But surely somebody's going to start to step up and take some fantasy kind of relevance. And I, to me, I think the most likely is Sky Moore. So, I mean, I think at wide receiver 59, I'm buying him and seeing what he does because surely if he does anything, his value will will rise. All right, so you ruined the streak we had. Uh, you disagreed with me. Now I have to disagree with you. Oh, rude. <laughs> I know, I know. So uh, and me and Scott are going to be on the same page for the first time in the last 50 minutes. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, so I just didn't like Sky Moore last year. Like People were talking about him as like this really great prospect, and I just didn't see that by the metrics I was looking at, the metrics that like matter most to my model. Um, so his underwhelming rookie season, I that was kind of you know not at all surprising to me. 
and didn't really change my opinion on him. Uh, I'll also say like, I'm a big time Kadarius Tony guy, which like that could totally blow up in my face. Uh, but really bullish on him. And uh, I'm a big time Justin Ross guy. Like I just love, you know, like zero floor, massively high ceiling players. Uh, Cause that's what matters in fantasy. And uh, to me, there's like, an 80% chance Justin Ross is nothing and a 20% chance he's, you know, 90% or the same guy he was when he outproduced T Higgins as a freshman at Clemson. So uh, I gravitate a little more to, to his upside, uh, especially at cost. Cool. I told you, Hannah, so you know, you know how I've been feeling for the last 45 minutes. Yeah, it's true. I still disagree, but we'll uh, catch up at the end of the season, Scott, and see uh, see who does what. That I think it's going to be a really interesting offense, isn't it? And to be fair, anybody could probably break out. My concern with Kadarius Tony is that he's great at these kind of Mickey Mouse type routes. Like you, you have to try and get him the ball. Like I'm not convinced that he's like the world's best route runner. Maybe they don't need him to be that. Maybe they can just get the ball in his hands and he can go. But I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not fully sold yet. So an argument for in your favor is uh, the Athletics beat writer. I just tweeted it out. I forget his name, but he said um, Sky Moore is looking likeliest to be the team starting slot wide receiver, which is like really bad news for me and my Kadarius Tony Love because he is so much better suited for the slot. I don't. I don't think that's right. I think he's like a fine route runner. He is more limited than a typical team's wide receiver one. But he's also like probably the best after the catch receiver in the NFL. Like it's him or Debo. And just like on tape to me, like what he does, no one moves like him. It looks like his ACLs are made of adamantium or he's like the scene from Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man where like everyone is moving in slow motion and he's not. Uh, and that's like a large part of the Chiefs offense is these manufactured touches, these screen throws. Uh, especially the shovel pass touchdowns near the end zone. Uh, over the past two seasons, Mahomes is averaging 14 shovel pass passing touchdowns per year. And it's who do, who gets that role? Like, why wouldn't it be Tony? Because like what he does after the catch is so much more impressive to me than anything Sky Moore can do. And I do think he has underrated upside as a deep threat uh, at the very least. You know, like even if he is a limited route runner, he could run the go route. He he's he's pretty fast. He's pretty athletic, um, and then you could have all these, uh, you know, low A dot after the catch production that doesn't really necessitate great route running. Yeah, I've always said in a in an offense where you don't know who's the A and who's the B, I guess you always take the cheaper one, which I think would fit Sky more. I think Tony is considerably higher on ADP currently. I think the problem is like they need a wide receiver one. What Hannah was saying was like. Yeah, no one saw it coming that like n- there wasn't going to be a single wide receiver to finish top 15 in fantasy points per game on the team. And that's that's an outlier. Like there's going to be one this year, I'm pretty confident. But part of what contributed to that was they really had this deep wide receiver by committee situation after uh Juju and MVS um yep. where it was like three or four guys rotating in and out and like maybe they'd do that at every position and that crushes them, but Brett Veach is, is calling Tony the wide receiver one. And, you know, you could just write that off as, you know, typical GM speak, coach speak, whatever. Uh, But he told us before Patrick Mahomes ever started his second game, he said, I'm watching this guy in practice. And this is like the best quarterback I've ever seen. So uh, I'm his word at least matters uh, a little bit to me. And he has said like, he can do a lot more. We, we like him as a deep threat. And, uh, 
So that's, that's kind of what I'm banking on, but yeah, he's getting expensive and there's, there's a number of risks we haven't hit on like another player who can't get on the field, can't stay healthy. He's a head case off the field. So uh, for sure, a lot of outs. And you know, if one of those hits could be sky more time. Yeah. The Casey offense outside of the, I guess the lead guys is the receiver room is what I've just been avoiding continually. Um, apart from in DFS and season long on best ball, where I've got quite a bit of MVS and just hoping for one of those hit weeks to come through here and there, which I think he's capable of being the vet receiver on that team. I know you've got something you want to mention, Scott, so you've been doing big offensive pros, but before you do, um, something we do every week when we have a guest question. So we have a guest on who poses a question to next week's guest, not knowing who they're going to be or what it's going to be about. Um, so last week we had Jason Snyder, who the writer of Dynasty Nerds. He posed the following question for you. And he said, uh, please, can you tell us about a relationship that has developed as a result of fantasy sports and how that relationship would have been different had you not been part of the fantasy industry? Yeah, I saw this question outside of actual fantasy question we've had. So thanks for that, Jason. Yeah, I uh, just just about all my friends uh, are are, these days are from uh, the fantasy industry, except for like all my buddies from high school. Um, so I could go a lot of different ways with that. Uh, we have, uh, our longest running dynasty league, the lemon league, the elite lemonade league is what it is. Um, uh, yeah, we've been in a DM group for about nine years and we talk all day, every day, um, might not have, you know, made it as far in the industry as I did without help from, uh, some of those names like John Proctor, uh, who I did a, DFS podcast with my first ever podcast, Mike Beers, who kind of like single-handedly taught me Excel, um, Curtis Patrick, TJ Calkins. Those are two of the best dynasty players of all time. Um, and I guess a, a funny anecdote from that is um, Jen Ryan is in that league. And I was working outside of the industry at an air compressor company. And this woman there was like, oh, my, my daughter, Jen, like a small company, only like 20 people. Oh, my daughter, Jen loves fantasy. Oh, you would love my daughter, Jen. She loves fantasy. And it took a year and a half until we figured out that her daughter was Jen Ryan, who's like in the industry and was in the, this DM group. So I guess that's a, a kind of funny small world, small world. Yeah. Uh, fantasy related story. Awesome. Scott, can you pose a question to whomever we have on next player related situation related trade related relationship related if you will who was your your favorite player uh in your childhood and why and uh do you think he's good today like do you think he would be good today about childhood because i didn't watch it for long but mine was megatron that's what got me into this game and yeah he would still be awesome now he would still be insane now (laughs) i i was i was weird i always picked like bad players i don't know what it was like ron dane was my favorite giant for a really long time Ray Ordonez was my favorite baseball player. Yeah. Awesome. Great question. So, Scott, new into your role, CEO, Fantasy Points. Tell us what's going on there, what you're plugging, what you're working on, what's coming from you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm Scott Barrett. You can follow me at Scott Barrett DFB on Twitter. You can check out our website, fantasypoints.com. And we just lo- launched this uh, new data tool, data.fantasypoints.com. Really think it's the sickest thing ever. If you're a stat nerd like I am, you can just live in there. Uh, we have access to just about any stat you can ever think of. Uh, the best, most predictive ones you know, for quarterbacks, fantasy points per dropback, for receivers, yards per route run, a bunch of stats other people don't have, like first read, target share, 
uh, pressure rate over expectation. Uh, I don't know, a million different data points. And then it's customizable in a way that no one else is. Uh, so you can, you, you, we have exponentially more stats than anyone else because you can look at first read target share in games the player was trailing only in the red zone and in the fourth quarter with 15 wow. mile per hour wins in games they're underdog. Like I just go on and on. It's it's pretty crazy. A uh, number of different split tools. You could look at it on the player level, team level, defense level. Uh, we think this is like this is what other businesses sell to other fantasy businesses for like 20K per year for. And, and we put it out for 50 bucks because we're crazy like that. And for this week, it's it's entirely free. So if you're someone who loves stats or uh, gambles on the NFL, make sure you check that out. I will be. Yeah, I will be. It sounds phenomenal to, to have that much customizable data and manipulation at hand rather than it just be everyone because there's loads of sites that do generics and there's loads of sites where you can customize bits but to get that level of integration is a lot of data entry for your team to sit and work through it, it took us two years to build um we were hoping we would get it out last year but we're glad we ended up waiting uh we have a team of charters we have multiple full-time employees and developers and uh yeah we're really proud of it i we we launched yesterday and we did a live stream to celebrate where uh, me and Chris and Brett literally popped champagne bottles of champagne on stream. So that was fun. Nice. nice. I don't know. Fancy points helped us out. We had our recent UK FFC event um, where those subscriptions come to us. So thank you for, for helping contribute to that. I know me and Hannah are appreciative and so are the UK community here. So um, yeah, anything we can do. Let I us mean, know. no pleasure. I I'm, I'm trying to get better acquainted with uh, UK fans of fantasy football. Cause it's only a matter of time until we see the, uh, london knights or the yeah the london knights in a couple of years right july 13th 2024 uk ffc our expo if you will this year we had scott fishbowl drafting live in london with it as well bob lung made the trip over we had people from south africa coming especially so book yourself on a plane and come and say hi to over 100 of them in one spot in one day scott oh man that that sounds like a blast and we drink till 4 a.m with bob <laughs> lung you guys bar. are big drinkers i i hope i can keep up <laughs> good um again scott thank you so much for coming on i know you must be incredibly busy now really appreciate it thanks for disagreeing with everything i had to say and a little bit of what hannah had to say um i have for one i'm gonna go and get me a fantasy point subscription and, and play with it because i love playing with that stuff and the fact it's so customizable is awesome so thank you very much for your time scott yeah i appreciate it. you gotta get me on next year and, and rub it in my face when uh, you were right and i was wrong about just about every player <laughs> When Wondell Robinson finishes as wide receiver 62, I will be laughing at you. Yes, sir. He's the <laughs> new, he's the new Megatron. Yeah. Awesome. Guys, thank you very much. We will be back next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 